Hi guys, it is your uncle's favorite secret WhatsApp contact here. <laughs> My name is Topher Taylor. I'm going to be discussing something which is very sexy and will make you feel really cute, which is sexual health and sexual health screening <laughs> and getting swabs to shove down your urethra and stuff. Um, I always am very interested in talking about sexual health. One of the reasons being, so there's something that kind of triggered me, if I'm going to throw a buzzword in there before, and it was on Facebook a long time ago, I checked in to like what white people like to do. We like to check into places on Facebook. <laughs> and I checked into a sexual health clinic and basically said, I'm here for my tests. And someone close to my family was really shocked and a little offended that I'd done it, that this idea of me being possibly diseased or infected was offensive. And it kind of sent me on a, it was like um, reverse psychology. When someone tells you, again with me, I always have to rebel same with anything to do with my family. As soon as I'm told not to do something, I want to do it. So it just made me think, why is there that shame? And obviously we're all aware of that shame. That's not a new topic for me to bring this to the table. But I did just want to discuss what sexual health testing means. And the reason I want to is because I unfortunately have lots of friends, and I mean lots of friends, a worrying amount of friends who don't go and get tested. And I have to literally hold their hands. I have to give them postcodes to clinics. I have to give them opening times to go and get tested. You know, we are lucky in the UK, if you're listening in the UK, and I know not everyone is, that we have a free NHS. You know, we are very lucky. You can go and get screened for your sexual health for free. And if you're not taking advantage of that, you're absolutely stupid. Yeah, this it's, yeah. Sorry, I was just talking to my producer there, but it is actually, and that's fine. I mean, it's, it is crazy that in this day and age that we have access to things that can keep us, and in a way, more importantly, our partners safe. Because if you're not looking after your sexual health, that's your prerogative. That's your decision to go to a clinic. But if you are being sexually active and not testing yourself and then possibly putting someone else's health at risk, that's really irresponsible. It's dangerous and it's immoral. And if I say something's immoral, <laughs> it's pretty fucking bad. Like, it's bad. Um, sexual health screening is a really simple process. It's not painful. It's not embarrassing. What you need to remember is that the people that you're going to see in these clinics, they have seen it all before. They are quite literally trained to deal with these problems, these issues. And sometimes it's just something as simple as, you know, you've got an itch on your willy hole or your urethra and you may think it's an infection, but it's not. It could, But you just need to go and get it checked and to then have sex with someone, to, you know, to let someone put your, that your genitals in their mouth without having a clear answer is really irresponsible and unfair. And it's not fair on your partner. It's really not fair. And We've all been burnt in the past. I know that I have. Like, I've had something given to me before, which I didn't serve because my partner didn't communicate. So then I had to go and get a fucking injection in my ass, which makes your right bum cheek go numb. <laughs> and you know what? This is funny. Considering what I do for a living, considering how open I am, I really, even me, I second guess whether I should discuss the fact that I've been, I've had STIs in the past on the show. But I thought, you know what? This is my show. I want you to be communicating with me clearly about your issues, your curiosities of sex. So fuck it. Yeah, I have. In the past, I've had um, chlamydia, which was given to me by a cheating partner. And I was given um, gonorrhea, which was happened because of a burst condom. We weren't aware of the condom bursting until after sex. And me, as someone who is apparently educated, forgot in my drunken haze that I was using a standard size condom on somebody with a very large penis. 
and it burst <laughs> inside of me. And yeah, we didn't realize because obviously alcohol was in the mix and you know what these things are like. Sometimes you can, these mistakes happen, which is why I take prep. We'll get to prep later. And I've got a very great in, um, guest coming on the show who's an expert on prep and actually works for a company called Team Prepster. But I will get to him soon because he's amazing and you're going to fall in love with him. Um, sexual health screening is basically... I don't want to patronize you, but I'm just going to run through it because it worries me the amount of people I know that don't have a clue what this entails. And it's really simple. It's really smooth. And more importantly, it's free. So fucking do it. Okay. Okay. So how I advise people to test sexually. So if you're going to go in for a gum clinic, there's a few reasons you should do that. If you're sexually active, sexually active doesn't mean having sex every single day of the week. Sexually active means have you had a sexual partner in the last six months? If you have then you should always go and check on your sexual health status. If you've used a condom, it doesn't always matter. Things can be passed by pubic care. Things can be passed through oral sex. Things can be passed through spit. Things can be passed from the back of the throat. And things can be passed from blood. Now, those things aren't very glamorous. I'm aware of that. But me personally, I've experienced it. You know, things have been given to me because of spit. So when you go to a gum clinic, you are tested for a list of things. And I'm going to call them things because some of them are infections. Some of them are diseases. You were tested for chlamydia. You were tested for gonorrhea. You were tested for syphilis. You were checked for genital herpes and you were tested for HIV. Now, these tests include a physical examination, which does mean a doctor will put a pair of rubber gloves on and play with your bits. They are used to doing it. Don't stress out about it. They don't care. It's their nine to five. You know, they don't care. It's not that deep. Just get into the fucking clinic. Next thing, a urine sample. They make you piss in a couple cups. And what they ask is that if you're going to go to a clinic, if you refrain from pissing an hour before arriving, because it gives your urine a, a more, <laughs> um, what's the word? Um, marinated result. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't involve Barocca or Red Bull, which turns your piss like neon. <laughs> you also will provide a blood sample um, not always but sometimes they'll do a finger prick test for HIV and sometimes you are just going to burp sorry <laughs> she's classy <laughs> sorry <laughs> well it's a real podcast okay I'm talking about real things here um, your blood sample can, it can be a blood test taken from your arm and also the finger prick like I've mentioned and um, you can have a urethral swab which is very uncomfortable I don't know it, but it doesn't hurt it just feels weird it's just dry and drags and yeah, whatever. It's over in a few seconds, but it's really important that you do have that tested. Sometimes they just peer down your urethra. They don't like put anything down, but that's one of the things that can be done when you arrive. For women, it can be a bit different. You can have a, a vaginal and cervical swab, which I appreciate is a little bit more uncomfortable and obviously is much deeper and you have my sympathy and I'm happy to come hold your hand when you do it. I have no problem doing it. No, I've done it for my friends before. I have. He's putting faces at me again. No, I have. <laughs> I've sat with my friend and held her hand here yeah, because she was very nervous. She was swaying. Another thing is an internal exam examination, which I get. Again, it's embarrassing, but it's absolutely necessary. Okay, so when we are talking about sexual health, there's a few things to take into mind. Symptoms. So try to avoid Googling anything that's outside of the NHS website. Don't listen to other people. If you need to get advice on your symptoms. If you have symptoms around your um, your genitals, your bum hole, etc., go to the NHS website, or I'm going to read out some things that you should be looking out for. First one, which is really glamorous, is like a yellow or greeny discharge or a discharge that smells. And when I say smell, it almost has like a, a metallic smell or a fishy smell. No, it's not pleasant, but if you have that, go and get it checked. And that varies obviously massively for men and women. So again, if you have a vagina, 
or if you're an owner of a vagina, <laughs> that obviously varies massively for men and women. So if you're a woman, obviously there are smells you have downstairs and there's moisture you have downstairs that guys don't have. So if there is something out of the ordinary, go and get it checked. And the best way to know if something's out of the ordinary is to check regularly. Anyway, that's the only way you can know there's going to be a difference. Another thing to look out for is for bleeding during and after sex. That is never a good sign. You should always get that checked. Sometimes it happens because we've been torn, because we're not lubricated enough. Sometimes it's a sign of an STI. So go to a gum clinic. Another thing is pain during sex. Pain obviously can happen if someone's big, if you're not, again, lubricated enough. If you're having anal, you're not that used to anal. Pain is there. But when you feel something that feels different to usual, go and get it checked. Just go and get it checked. It could be something if you're having anal. It could be an anal fissure. You could rip yourself anally, which happens. It's not as severe as it sounds. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. But what it just means is care, relaxation, just making sure you get a professional's advice. Another thing for people who have penises and who have testicles is to keep an eye out for testicular pain. If your balls are suddenly feeling more painful than usual, go and get it checked. Just go and get it checked. That's so important. Other things to look out for. Pain whilst passing urine. Burning whilst passing urine. That's one of the most popular and well-known symptoms to look out for itching burning tingling blisters sore spots or lumps that are out of the ordinary i'm not talking about shaving bumps here if you're somebody who regularly gets shaving bumps yeah probably not that necessary if you're someone who is not lumpy downstairs and suddenly something appears go and get it checked for free another thing to look out for would be black powder in your underwear or pubic hair which is often a sign of um, crab eggs so i'm sorry babes just go and get it checked. It might be black powder, I don't know. It might just be black powder. Especially you've got a plane of charcoal, but it might be eggs. Go and get it checked. Go and get it checked. Other examples to look out for is anal mucus, which is obviously a really delicious mental image. Go and get it checked. I think if there is anything out of the ordinary happening in your bum hole and you're someone who has anal sex, go and get it checked. Again, they don't care. They're not phased. They don't care. Another thing to look out for is red blotches appearing on your body, which can be an early sign of a few things that are pretty nasty. So if you have that one, come out of nowhere, go and get that checked. Finding your local gun clinic, your local free treatment center is really simple. It's as simple as going onto Google and searching my local gun clinic free. It will take you to the NHS website where you enter your postcode and it will give you your local walk-in clinic times and area. That is so important. It is so important. We are so lucky to have this service for free. So make sure you are taking advantage of it. So I wanted to do a competition just to kind of celebrate and also to say thank you for the success of the first two episodes of Sex with Topher. So thank you so much for tuning in. And I thought, what can I do? You know, times are strange. We're all at home right now in quarantine and self-isolation, social distancing, etc. What can I do to help liven it up? And I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm doing an £800 worth of sex toys competition thanks to my friends at Doxy Massages at Nexus Range and at Roxoff and then some donations from Clone Zone. And all you have to do to enter the competition is to send me a screenshot or proof of you being subscribed to the Sex with Tofa podcast. You can email it to me using tofa at tofataylor.co.uk. You can DM it to me on Twitter using hello I am tofa. Or you can send to me on Instagram, which is Topher Taylor, or you can send it to any of the Sex with Topher accounts. If you want to be extra discreet, you haven't got to post it publicly, or you can. Every single image that gets sent to me, you'll be entered. Any proof of you following or subscribing or listening automatically gets you entered, and I will pick one winner on April the 10th, and I'll send you £800 worth of products to help you come like a pig. And I've hand-selected them all, so I guarantee you, you will have fun. Good luck.
Okay, so today I am here with Phil Samba. Phil Samba is a social activist and a passionate con- campaigner for people of color's mental and sexual health. He is a loud campaigner for PrEP, the HIV prevention drug, and works alongside the amazing team at Team Prepster on educating and agitating for PrEP in England and beyond. He also won a Gay Times Award, uh, Honours Award, pardon me, for STEM, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics back in 2018. So before I go into all the technical stuff, who is Phil Samba? And for the person listening to this who doesn't know you, why are you here? Ooh. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I guess you've kind of touched upon it a little bit. Um, yeah. I work for Prepster. Uh, um, I do the, I'm the strategic lead for Prep for Queer Men of Colour. Yeah. And um, we do a lot of work around basically raising awareness of PrEP, but just kind of um, educating people around sexual health. Yeah. Um, overall, at the organization, we do a lot of work around groups that are, um, I guess, affected by poor sexual health or um, high rates of HIV. Mm-hmm. And I guess for me, um, I would say I can be quite loud, but quite quiet at the same time. Yeah, I've picked up on that already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's cool. Yeah, um, I'm quite intuitive. Um, um, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I feel like my upbringing had an effect on how I am and, you know, things like that. It's yes. hard to describe me. Yeah, so you've just kind of taken that and put it into your yeah. your career of choice. I think because that's why I've, when I've read your work and obviously I've studied you a lot for this. <laughs> no, I have. I'm like your stalker. You've probably gone up Google rankings. But no, it's, <laughs> it's because I identify with you because there's a passion in what you do and it's a niche provocative subject. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it when you're speaking or reading someone's work who cares about what they're talking about, it's obvious. Yeah. And that's why I want to talk to you because I could just pick any sexual health campaign. Like, oh yeah. La, la, let's talk about say, testing, but I wanted like passion mm. and, you know, reaction. Okay. So one question I'm going to ask you, which I'm going to ask everyone, what does sex mean to you? Ooh. Well, I'm single right now, so, <laughs> and there's a lot of coronavirus going around, mm-hmm. so <laughs> it doesn't mean much. Yeah, <laughs> well, not that it doesn't mean much, but sex for me, I guess, is sex for me is it can be many things. It can be like quite freeing. It can be like I guess a form of escapism. It yeah. can be something to do when you're bored it can yes. be a lot of different I, things i definitely take that <laughs> but i'm bored i'm gonna call someone yeah 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 but um i think for a lot of people sex can be um sex can only be expressed i guess in the confines of something loving i guess yeah loving so not necessarily a relationship but they have to really care about someone and i think being queer men we've kind of we're always kind of put in that box of to be hypersexual and yeah. not not everyone is yeah, no, I get that. I mean, I, feel, I mean, it's a bit like fresh me saying that, mm. but like I, I'm in my line of work because I care about the topic. Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's the social side, like you dress up like an idiot, whatever, just for fun. <laughs> but then I think it's hard to separate. But the reason I do it is because I care about the topic, and mm-hmm. then you're so hypersexualized, yeah, and you feel this pressure to be so knowledgeable about sex and to be an expert. And do you think yeah. people make assumptions about you because of the industry that you work in? Um. I think I'm quite, I think I come across how I like, how I come across online. I think I come across like that in person. Yeah. I think I'm the same because some people tend to be different. I think um, early on there were assumptions that I was HIV positive, which didn't have an, I didn't have an issue with. Yeah. I was going to ask you that if that was like a fear because of the stigma. And- 
I, it didn't bother me, to yeah. be honest. That's so refreshing. <laughs> no, that is, because that is, I mean, to me, even like me, sometimes I think about it because people make assumptions, like, because I, I was writing about the podcast and I was like writing sex positive and people missed me. Like, oh, wait. I'm like, oh no. And I'm like, should I reword it? I'm like, no, there's no, like, what do you mean? The, we're, we're almost trained. Yeah. So it's like training yourself out thinking that it's way. Because HIV is so heavily stigmatized that yeah. you're just, you're kind of used to it. Like I remember one of, one thing I did, um, I'm on the the prep impact trial and we'll get to what prep is shortly. But yeah. um, I remember I took a picture of like the free boxes of prep and then um, I posted it to Twitter. And as soon as I like tweeted it, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Why have I yeah. told everyone? And then I was like, wait, this is fine. So it's like, you kind of have to unlearn that. Even stuff connected to sexual health is not a bad thing. It's yeah. just, you're just so used to doing those things sort of privately. It's almost like coming out, like, like when you first post something that makes you clearly obviously gay when you're, I remember on MySpace, like uh-huh. we were talking like 15 years ago. <laughs> wow. No, like I posted a picture of like me and the guy I had a thing with called Tommy, Tommy Tinker. Uh, I don't remember that sorry completely irrelevant but he had his arm around me Mm -hmm. and I remember literally being sat there like getting palpitations like this changes everything because this is really obvious and I I think I actually saw that tweet because I've stalked you so that was the free displayed like on an angle well no that was the newest one because I got tested like last week but I um I I tend to um post it every three months but the very first time I did that which was I think 2018 like I was really like in my head about it it's really weird yeah i get it i do get it so you identify sexually as gay yes all right okay cool and how was that for you um coming out or yeah. being gay both oh God, they're, too, they're too traumatic <laughs> they're both traumatic so let's start with coming out and especially like coming out as a person of color okay what? so my coming out experience is very odd <laughs> <laughs> yes because <laughs> um like my mom was kind of like listening to my phone conversations like behind my bedroom door. So I don't know if she heard anything sexually or if I was just me talking to guys or whatever. But it was like in the very early days of me kind of coming out to myself sort of thing. Oh, cringe. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, she was listening to my phone conversations and um, she, my nan knew and my sister knew. My nan took it well. And um, one of my best friends said that she thinks um, she took it well because that you usually see... Um, a gay guy on a soap and my nan watches a lot of soaps oh, and they see how like yeah, the family yeah. takes it so she saw it like that and um my sister had uh i remember she used to come to the house with gay friends and stuff like that so i knew she'd be fine and my brother-in-law's brother is gay so my niece and nephew have un- gay uncles on both sides yeah but when i told my mum, who kind of asked my nan like begged my nan to know and then my nan said well if he's gay what are you going to do and then she said well there's nothing i can do so I was like, oh, she's going to accept it then. So yeah. I, I was 23 going on 24. Okay. And I knew I was gay from around 14. So it was like 10 years of like it sitting in my chest and wondering how she's going to react. And um, my mom cares a lot about her reputation and what people think of her and stuff like that, so which is part of why I didn't come out for so long. Yeah. And um, she just took it. She seemed to take it well, but she didn't. Like she, she just like internalized a lot of stuff. And then we just didn't talk about it for months. And it was just really awkward. And it was like, you asked for this. I wasn't ready to tell you. Yeah. So yeah, um, she's, I believe she's okay with it now, but I don't know. Yeah. So you got dissected almost that you didn't realize. Yeah. And I yeah, think that, yo, cringe. I was cringing. <laughs> that, yeah. But it kind of messed with my head a little bit because it was like, I didn't want to tell you. I wasn't ready to tell you. You kind of forced me to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I had to deal with that. Okay, because so, I watched an interview with you. Is it with Dan Asaya? Dan Yomi. Huh? Dan Yomi. 
have I written Asayo? Oh, I think that's his middle name, actually. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry, my bad. No, no, it's cool, it's cool. No, yeah, it's checking. And it was like about how coming out was a white thing. So yeah. what was it like for you, like, community-wise, like, coming out as a black guy, like, I am gay? Um, did you did you have a conversation with people, or was it just, like, a drip feed of black people? Um, it, I remember I watched, like, a YouTube video years ago saying uh, to come out to, like, friends first and then do it slowly and then build it. That's, oh, that's so cool. So yeah. you actually had the advice on YouTube. Yeah, so luckily I came out in... Between uh, 2012 and 2014. Yeah. So um, I still had the internet. And um, I even, originally actually my Twitter was, <laughs> my Twitter was like an anonymous account. Yeah. And I didn't have my face up. And like, it's really mad thinking how it's changed to what I use it for now. Yeah, it was a burner account. <laughs> yeah, it was basically, it was a burner account. But I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't post any nudes or anything like that. And it was just like a way to express myself emotionally and sexually. And then over time, it built into what it is now. So oh, that's so cool. Yeah. that's. I wish I had that. I don't know. I think, yeah, that's mad. Mine was just like, I was like aggressive. Was I, it? I think because I felt very repressed. And I think when I was the exact same age, when I was like 14, mm-hmm. when I realized 100% this is me. And I just was, instead of saying like, this is who I am. I hope you still love me. I was like, this is who I am. And if you don't like me, you can fuck off. All of you. And I, I almost, I pushed people away. And it, was, it took me long time to process that I was doing that as like a self-protection mm-hmm. thing and I think it I wish that I'd had something on YouTube because hmm. mine was just learn all my friends were straight everyone around me was straight I had no one yeah I, I relate to that like I went to an all boys catholic school in East London and all oh, my shit. friends were straight men straight black men as well so it was a bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I went to a Roman catholic school in southeast Eltham Okay, it's like so similar express. Horrific. <laughs> no, it's horrific. <laughs> like anyone listens to this, I do not recommend SE9. <laughs> and again, I don't want to keep bringing it back to race, but I just I think it's important. The reason I want to keep it is like my ex-boyfriend, we used to have long in-depth conversations about the fact that I was white and he was black and mm-hmm. how much that contributed because he couldn't come out as it was. Yeah. And I just remember one statement he said to me, and it stuck with me my whole life, and I'll never forget it. He was like, I could come out to my family as gay that's fine. I could deal with it. I could take the bullets for that. But if I was gay and I was with a white guy, that would be the final straw. Mm. So that's why I think I'm just so interested in this. Because there's only so much I can know and there's only so much I can ask without, you know, appearing like a vulture. Yeah, I know. Um, But like, uh, I think a lot of the time, particularly in, where was he from actually? He? Yeah. He's from Streatham. No, what oh, country? <laughs> oh, wait, no, he, no, he, was, he was born in Stratton, but his family are Ghanaian. Yes. Okay, good. So yeah. I'm, I'm from Sierra Leone, which isn't far from Ghana. And yeah. um, in from what I know of West African culture, a lot of the time being gay is seen as a white thing or a thing that um, people have chose, chosen to do. Yeah. And it's not, so, it, it's it's like it's been learned or it, it's been like westernized, it's a westernized thing. Yeah. It doesn't happen where we, we live. But that's, it that's, does. Yeah. I, I got we just don't talk about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think a lot in a lot of like, um, I guess families of color, like there's a lot of homosexuality in the family, but we just wouldn't mention it. Or yeah. if someone is gay or like you talk about it, but it, in a way of they've become like white people sort of thing. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where the narrative, yeah. narrative is. And I think it's harder for um, black communities to, I think now a lot has changed, but I think it's harder in general for a lot of uh, black communities to understand that this isn't a choice. And I think that's always been the the issue. 
Yeah, the word choice is what drives me insane yeah. with anyone. But that's why people, a lot of people, a lot of men, black men in particular, don't come out because they're seen as you're choosing to do this. Yeah, like you're almost like forfeiting your masculinity. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I've had, sorry, this conversation, I'm having <laughs> flashbacks because you said a few things there just reminded me of stuff that I'd heard from him. Hmm. So I, I read something you wrote and going into your work. Yeah. and HIV prevention, which you're known for, which I knew you for, for a long time. <laughs> I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up your ass. Mm. I genuinely have known of you for a long time. Um, so I read a piece you wrote for AZ magazine. I think you wrote it yourself. I'm not yeah. sure if it was an interview. I think it was an article. Yeah. And it was about how prevalent HIV is in people in the UK. And is that what led you into your interest in like HIV prevention? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> so um, we have issues in this country where a lot of migrants are coming to this country and then being diagnosed with HIV. So they're not bringing it here, they're getting it here. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from not knowing how NHS works or not knowing, I guess, a lot of stuff about sexual health or where to access sexual health services yeah. or not having that education. But um, the reason why I got involved comes from um, my directors at Preps, actually. Yeah. So um, I met them at Black Pride because uh, for some annoying reason, this is different, but every Pride, Pride in London and Black Pride and Wireless Festival always on the same weekend yeah. every year. Yeah, because Pride's on Saturday, Black Pride Sunday. Yeah. So I, each year I want to go to Black Pride and like, I can't I physically because <laughs> I work we, we, at Clones and we work in the centre like I, my body is fucked <laughs> no, I li- I'm exhausted I'm in bed by 8 o'clock so I just couldn't see I, I don't mind going like I try not to overdo it on the Saturday but then I, I have to make Sunday I usually I'm usually working God you have more self <laughs> every time I'm like right I'm working I'm going to be fine and I'm like yeah no <laughs> I don't remember getting home so like with like people obviously coming to the country the knowledge about sexual health like i'm lucky because of my job mm-hmm. i knew what pep was and that's where my knowledge of hiv prevention any any form came from because i had to go on pep when i was 20 yeah because of like something happened that shouldn't have happened we won't go into that now but luckily i knew what it was so how important is it to you that people know about things like pep and prep i think it's extremely important yeah. Uh, one of my friends uh, he's hiv positive and yeah. i think he missed the pep window by like a day because he didn't know it existed. Oh shit. Yeah. Well, this is knowledge is power. Like I will scream about PEP to anyone who listens to me. And I, I've had a I actually had a friend, well, a friend who finished a course of PEP last week mm-hmm. and he knew about it because of me. Yeah, that's lucky. And I was a bit like I think, the window used to be twenty four hours, didn't it? And uh, now it's seventy two. No, was it was it oh, okay, because I was told originally it was twenty four, <coughs> so I was like having like, I was still messed up about what had happened. Mm. I just had to like fuck it. I've just got to go to A and E. No, you have to. Um, basically, the sooner you take it, the better, and the more likely it is to work. But it's within seventy-two hours. Okay, let's see this news because I thought it was great. <laughs> you taught me something. Um, Wait, I swear I didn't answer the question. I can't remember what it was, but I feel like I didn't answer it. <laughs> I can't even remember what the question was. I got so passionate about which is about like how important it is that people come here. And uh, oh no, it was um um. How I got in it. Yeah. Yes. See, I so, was so, I get so derailed there. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, but I'm really passionate about pet. That's all. Like, okay, good. Yeah. But, um, I think there are, uh, because of how, um, I guess, uh, HIV treatment has gone, where at the moment, I think it's about 97% of people that have, have HIV are aware of it and are on treatment. Yeah. That 3% don't know they have it. So it's harder to get PEP from um, sexual health services or A&E because they'll ask you a lot of questions to they're kind of it's annoying but it's in a way it's like they're asking if the person was definitely had a detectable viral load 
Yeah. So yeah, um, it's technical stuff. It is confusing. It's very technical. I knew what I knew the right answers because I like I was almost like checking because I just needed the treatment to give mm. myself peace of mind, and I knew I was high risk anyway both times. Yeah. But, so for the person listening to this who has no idea what we're talking about, what is PEP and what is PrEP and what okay. is the difference? So um, PrEP is uh, it stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis, and it's a drug you take before and after sex that stops you from getting HIV. Um, at this moment in time, hopefully things will change by the time this airs. Um, you can only get access to it through the PrEP impact trial through NHS. So if you go to your local clinics or um, look online to see uh, which clinics are still recruiting, or um, you can buy it online from IWantPrepNow.co.uk. Uh, it's 100% um, biologically effective if taken correctly. Um, PrEP is uh, post-exposure prophylaxis, so it's yeah. it's similar to PrEP, but it's uh, the, the I guess the consistency in the drugs is a lot stronger. You take it for 28 days, um, like I said, hopefully within 72 hours to stop you from getting HIV as well. Okay, cool. So it works on your system to like fight whatever is trying to land yeah. itself in your Well, system. the thing is, I think a lot of people don't realize that um, whether you're on PEP or PrEP, HIV still goes into your bloodstream. It's just um, the drugs stop it from spreading. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, because I was reading about how it it's in there and it's trying to regenerate. Yeah, it's not re- uh, replicate. Okay. And so that it stops the, it from replicating. So it is in there. Okay, cool. All right. So then again, for an idiot's guide, say someone you've been exposed to HIV knowingly or not knowingly, and then you have sex. Is that person at high risk because they've slept with someone who, even though they might have taken prep, PEP, sorry. Wait, what? So that is, sorry, I'm just trying to... I'm trying to think like if I was someone who was panicking about my sexual health. So there's a partner who has slept with someone, but they've taken PEP and say they slept with someone else within that 24 hour period. Oh, with the, I don't know. That's probably a bit technical. I'm just, that just came into my head. I've not thought about that. Cool. To be honest. (laughs) We'll cut that out. Okay. Sorry. That's cool. We'll cut that out. That's cool. Yeah. Because that's like, I just came into my head. It's quite technical, but I'm just, just, I suddenly thought, Oh, I can ask someone for you. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because that is actually interesting. I'm, that, I'm not sure. I'd be really interested to see how quickly it does stop. Because um, whilst you're on PEP, they usually tell you not to have sex with anyone else. So, yeah. yeah. I'm from South London. Like, <laughs> I'm from Elton, bro. That makes it even worse. Our knickers don't stay up. <laughs> okay, so I'll jump into this. Wait, one. I still haven't talked about how I got into this. <laughs> it's okay. Um, Let's go. We'll go one, two, three. So um, I got into this uh, by meeting my directors at Prepster or my now directors at Prepster. They were giving out condoms. Um, they were giving out condoms at Black Pride in 2017. And um, I was just leaving to go to Wireless Festival. And um, they were giving out condoms with information about PrEP. In, and I just remembered, I knew a lot about sexual health and PrEP and everything like that. But I knew that a lot of people around me didn't. And I knew that I could probably help people by telling them or something like that. Um, they invited me to a panel discussion and they did a screening of a film that they have. Um, so uh, it's called Prep 17. It's on our website, prepster.info. Small plug. Um, Prep, prepster.info. But um, yeah, I went to that and then it just, from that it went to Me, Him, Us, where um, it was a campaign that I kind of started in and co-developed and it just, from there, it just kind of spiraled and, I've just started using social media a lot and doing more discussion panels and writing. And then it just grew and grew and grew until I, I got a job before, before PrepStar 
and then they got I started working for Prepster officially and it's just it's been amazing no it is amazing because that's how I knew but I think I learned about you first through the Me Here Must campaign okay and for people listening to this Me Here Must campaign is campaigns which are aimed at like minorities in the UK mm-hmm. and it's like a photo campaign which promotes sexual health testing oh. for that's, Me Here Must 3 is coming out but I don't want to ruin it Okay, but um, give us, all... give us like a little. T- <laughs> Liam, just say... Liam will kill me. <laughs> I'll text him like, "Got you, bitch." <laughs> Let's just say they're not all pictures. Okay, oh no, good because um, I I spoke to Liam like when I saw the last one. And I thought uh, it, it really touched me for some reason. The the South Asian one, yeah, was really good. I was beautiful. So it just about something Alex. about it. Like I don't know. I, I felt like oh, that's wonderful, and I just was like, can we please do something at like Clone Zone Soho? Just like some sort of photo of something just to give it an extra push on social media. Okay. And we did it. So let's please do it for you. Okay, well. me and Master is coming. So yeah, that's fine. We yeah, do let's it. do it. We'll like stop traffic again. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I did in preparation for this other than stalk you was... <laughs> <laughs> what else do you need to do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was reading a lot of tweets from National... I was like, I want to get the underground's opinion of this drug prep. So I was reading tweets from newspapers, from like journalists when they're talking about PrEP and I'm reading the replies from people who are quite clearly right-wing, ignorant, homophobic and everything was like can you, the naysayer viewpoint of all this drug is going to do is, you know, take more money from the NHS. People are going to be more likely to like, get diagnosed with like chlamydia, gonorrhea, etc. It's encouraging bad behaviour. It's like a full safety net. What is your, or what are your thoughts, sorry, on that? Okay, so how frustrating is that? Also, because I, I, I literally <laughs> only burst a blood vessel last night. Um, well, so I, I don't get people attacking me on Twitter as much as they used to. Um, so that's the thing. That's, that's that's a shame. Well, like people's attitudes towards the algorithm. prep changed. <laughs> well, not not the algorithms. The algorithms are the same, but conversations <laughs> around prep and I guess openness to it have yeah. changed, particularly since the trial has come about. So that's one thing. Um, as for uh, I guess people having more sex. What's wrong with that? Yeah, Why can't we have more sex? And it's kind of similar to what happened when um, the contraceptive pill came out, where all the women were going to go out and start having sex with whoever they want and yeah, get all yeah. these STIs and whatever. And um, PrEP is actually, it's been, it's, there's two things. So PrEP is actually bringing down STIs because people are testing more frequently. Yeah, because so, you have to go. You you kind of have to go for a three to six month blood test. No, you have to go every three months. Three months. Okay, cool. Because yeah. so, I I haven't been for mine. Okay, you need to go. Yeah, I will get go. tested. Yeah, I'll be. I go to Jeffrey Swing in Paddington. Okay, I don't know that one. I have to give. Them, they're amazing. It's my. I've been going. I went there when I was twenty one when I'm pet. Yeah. So they have my heart. So I always have to go there. Like I wouldn't go to any other. <laughs> Jeffrey Swing. It's like a bu- like a barber. They, 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 I walk in and the women's <laughs> the women are like, "Are you back again?" I'm like, "Shut up. <laughs> Just give me the pills." <laughs> And in terms of your career and your obviously your interest in this subject, which is amazing, and I'm not just saying it to blow smoke up your bum. I love the subject. Obviously, I, I would because of my my line of work. But in terms of your dreams and your goals and what you want to do with your career, what is your kind of dream achievement goal? Oh, I want to one day open up my own clinic for like a, like a mental and sexual health clinic for uh, queer people of color. Amazing, but. Um, I did apply to do a master's and I got rejected, but I'm going to apply next year. Yeah. Cause I should be working at the, at the uni, um, by the beginning of next month. And then I'm going to like network and get some research. I'm going to be on a research paper yeah. and then go from there, try and do a master's and then do a PhD 
become a doctor of public health and then open up my own clinic. Amazing. Yeah. So that's like a, an intense five, ten year plan. How long is that plan? <laughs> it's, it's about ten years. I think about like eight. You can do it. Well, now I've got to add another year because I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Just party for the year. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so I thought I would end this with something a little less um, medical and a bit more fun and provocative. Okay. I want to do some quick questions, sexual questions. Okay. I might drop a little thing about prep in there as well. Okay. Okay. You don't have to answer quick, but just answer. Answer as quick as you can. Okay. Favorite position? Uh, doggy. Favorite lubricant? Um, gun oil. Why? Uh, um, <laughs> it's just like, you. okay. So it, this is a long answer, but it can double as a massage oil as well. Yeah. So you use silicone, right? Yes. Yes. Same. That looks okay. Okay, cool. Um, your best app or favorite social media for meats? Sexual meats? Um, I think Twitter, actually. And why? Just because it's less intense. And you can look at someone's past. Yeah. And go to the media and like hope it's not it's just not. Yeah, oh gifts. my god, and just scrolling through gifts. Yeah, like gifts. Gifts like Nini Leaks, Nini Leaks, Nini Leaks. No, but like um there's less intensity. Like if you meet someone on a like like something like Grindr, then you kinda have to have sex like within the next forty eight hours, do you know what I mean? Or if you don't then Yeah. It's like, it's like interest or it's like you know it's just intense you're a time waster it's like no I'm full time employed <laughs> <laughs> you know all of that stuff yeah. you remove all of that if you use social media yeah no, that's right and it's just all the thing of like I want to do <laughs> <laughs> like, I ain't gonna be ready trust me for at least two and a half hours so two and a half hours I'm a I'm hygiene freak okay like it's getting to leave here to go on the train today I've got antibacterial floor wipes in my bag that I'm wiping everything I sit on is public on Okay. Yeah, coronavirus for people just is about <laughs> context. I'm not just a lunatic. Okay, back to the really important. Sorry. <laughs> so quick. <laughs> back to the really important. Oh my God, this is favorite Spice Girl. Sporty Spice? Okay, no, that's cool. I like that. Do you know why? Because I was stood next to her at Madonna concert last week. Last not week? On Valentine's Day. Okay. No, ve- wrong again. Feb- <laughs> fe- <laughs> February the 15th. I didn't know she was next to me, and someone ha- someone came to the end of our row mm-hmm. with because you couldn't use your phones during the show. They locked them into these cases. Okay, and someone gave me this phone and the jacket to pass to my right, and because I've been so focused on the show, and all that line came in just as the show start. Obviously, because they're VIPs, we didn't realize. Yeah, I hand the jacket and phone. It's fucking Mel C, <laughs> and I was just like. Uh, and I just, literally I just lost her words and then we look up even further and it's Penelope Cruz oh my god this is a hundred this happened like on my life I and I was wearing purposely just because I wanted to be taller to see the show uh-huh. I was wearing Spice Girl kind of shoes <laughs> not like the size they had but they were good like this uh-huh. so I was like okay I'm looking I'm wearing Spice Girl shoes and she was like yeah and I was like this is bizarre it's either that or I hallucinate the whole thing. But no, it did happen. I checked the um, paparazzi pictures and she was actually caught leaving. So, Okay. One word to describe Phil Samba's sex. Sensational. Okay, I was going to say why, but I think yeah, that's, that <laughs> speaks for itself. Okay, and prep, daily or event-based? Daily. Why? Um, I feel like daily gives you better peace of mind. I think um, event-based, a lot of people still don't know about. Yeah. And um, I feel like, I don't know. I think you, I, I'm open to choice, but I don't know. I take it daily. Yeah, it's cool. I do as well. Good peace of mind. I think it's people that organize can do it event-based. I, I have alarms set on my phone. <laughs> I'm not organized. It's just it, my phone tells me to do it. I have one that goes off at 10 a.m. and one at 12 in case I miss the 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dream celebrity fuck or 
well-known person fuck doesn't have to be like an a-list um i don't know you know i can't pick one really mm. oh have you seen um girls trip you remember the black guy that gets with the um he's really handsome i forgot his name though your favorite thing about sex um it connection connection okay that's a deep one i like that okay i thought it was gonna be like because of me i'd be like balls <laughs> gooch i don't know <laughs> anyway thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me and what's the shout out team prepster dot team uh i guess on uh twitter or facebook twitter or instagram is team prepster at team prepster okay and your twitter and instagram um idiosyncratic excel to find out more about all things sexual health Visit us at prepster.info or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Okay. Oh, I will share that in the bio. I know no one's going to type that out. We're on Facebook as well. Okay. <laughs> no, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Phil Samba for that fun chat. I really like him. I respect this guy a lot. So I am very happy. So I finally had the chance to talk about him and also about Team Prepster, who are incredible. And you should absolutely look them up. Google Team Prepster. P-R-E-P-S-T-E-R. And I hope you know how to spell team. <laughs> so I am ending this episode with something that I enjoy doing, and that is my Sex with Tofu segment, where I go through my inboxes after doing my shows. And you guys have sent me a lot of interesting messages that I'm going to be answering here. I'm going to try and limit it to three per show. Otherwise, I ramble on for far too long. <laughs> so my first question is from a gentleman called Dave Wah. And the question is, what got you into wearing heels? <laughs> Of course, of course, it's that. Um, I like how my legs look in them. I don't know what else to say, really. Oh, no, you know, I grew up on like Madonna, David Bowie, Jerry Halliwell, Tina Turner. It was all about legs and big shoes. And I like legs. I think I look nice in them. Sexual heel. Yeah. That part, part, of course, my producer said that part of the foot is very sexual. I mean, I don't like people touching my feet, really. No, I don't. I mean, if they really want me to, I can do a foot wang. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Off on one tangent. Um, so yeah, that's why. I just like it. And if you want to wear them, wear them. But be res- be sensible about where you're wearing them. Like if you're going to wear high heels in like a suburban um, high street, you might get a little bit of shit. So just make sure you've got your own back. My next question is from 123, 123, 123, drunk. <laughs> Sounds it. <laughs> Sounds it. Yeah. And the question is, does size matter? So really, oh, I'm glad. No, I mean, in my opinion, honestly, no. And I'm not just saying that's trying to sound cool. I don't think it does. Um, everyone's idea of a big dick is different. You've got to remember that. It's all about what we've had experience with in the past. Um, the UK national average for penis size, I believe, is between, for an erect penis, 5.5 and 6.5 inches. And when you look at sex toys and stuff, everything seems to like pop, get popular around 8 inches. And that's just a fantasy. Porn, obviously, these guys employed because they have big dicks and sometimes their penises are not that huge they just look huge on their frames because you meet a lot of porn stars and they're very petite and they're employed for that reason um but it's also worth remembering that your prostate which is the male g-spot if i'm talking to a i'm talking to a prostate owner here is that your prostate is about 4.2 inches inside of you so you don't need a huge length inside of you at all to get an orgasm women's the female g-spot so if you are the owner of a vulva or a vagina um, your G-spot, I think, is about between two and three inches inside. So, in my, I mean, if we're talking about orgasm and pleasure, does size matter? In my opinion, absolutely not. And I think some of the best sex I've had in my life has been with people who aren't extremely well-endowed. Um, and again, a big dick is nice. 
they're fun. They're, I'm sure they're pretty. It's great to take pictures of, which I may do every now and then, but it's not always practical. It can be painful and you have to be properly lubricated and relaxed. And that is going for both vaginal sex and anal sex. It's not all just about anal. My next question is from Bo John. <laughs> That's a cool name. And the question is, what is the best position for both partners to enjoy anal sex? All right, so that is dependent on the person. It varies from person to person. And I'm going to go back to one of my favorite words here, which is communication. So if you want to know what sex is, what position is going to feel best for you and your partner, it comes down to talking to them and trying things out. Like I know that a lot of tops will prefer a bottom or anyone who's taking the penis. It's much smoother and easier in doggy. For anal, definitely, because the hole is higher. For vaginal, I think missionary is quite smooth because of the positioning of the bodies. But again, you need to come down to your partner. It all comes down to having a chat with your partner about what you want to do and what feels good for them. And again, I'm going to repeat something I've said in the past on the show. Never be scared to discuss your preferences. And if you're in bed with someone that you feel like you can't speak openly with about your sexual preferences, your positioning, then you shouldn't really be in bed with them. And that's the truth. And my answer will not change from that. Okay, so that was my little sexual health focus show. I'll obviously be addressing the issues in that show more over the future. And obviously prep is going to be something which comes up a lot. As a lot of the people I'm going to have on the show are sex workers. I just want to say thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you absorbed the information in the show. And if you are confused about any symptoms you have, make sure you speak to a medical professional. There's only so much advice I can give you. I'm always going to end up asking you and directing you back to the NHS. Make sure you test regularly and make sure you communicate clearly. Make sure you do, make sure that you develop a relationship with condoms. And that means getting used to using them because I know a lot of guys do struggle with using them and we will address that in future episodes. But just make sure you are communicating and make sure you're looking after yourself first and foremost. This is just a reminder to ask all of you to please follow me on Spotify, to subscribe to me on Apple Podcasts, to leave a rating, leave a review on whatever platform you're using because that helps bump the podcast up and it helps get my message out there. If you've enjoyed the show, please tell your friends, post it to the story. I will share it. I'll get involved with you. I'll tell you I love you, etc. Now, I appreciate the support and I would massively appreciate it if you'd help me share the podcast with the world. (laughs) 